They are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity... And the highway to the north is the Safety Wars for Thursday, July 20th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there tonight? So tomorrow night, I'm going to get this out of the way real quick. Tomorrow night, we're going to have a pre-recorded program featuring... Let's see if I can do... Let's see if, if, if this will work. Two nights in a row. Uh, hold on. We're going to have Gavin Coyle here. Uh, tomorrow night, we did an interview a couple of weeks ago with him. He's promoting his new book, Workplace Safety on a Budget, which is for free on Amazon Kindle. Uh, we go as you, hey, it's not safety wars unless we go all over the place. So, uh, that's going to be your pre-recorded interview. Uh, tune in, uh, obviously, and we are on tune in. How's that? We're not live on tune in, but we are podcast is there and on iHeart. You recently got, uh, onto those. Plus, uh, our regular streaming services here. Pay us a visit. I tell you what, I'd really appreciate it if you could like and share every one of these. Doesn't matter what uh, platform you're on. Just like and share us. It helps. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy at a minimum. Uh, at a maximum, it'll get us more exposure. And we will continue to fight that safety war with everybody here. Anyway, a lot of news going on out there, uh, and I'm going to go because I forget to do this often. I'm going. No, it's our nightly message here for everybody. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the Hi, occupied Steve. territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Context drives behavior. Context drives behavior. That's right. Context drives behavior. Learn what the context of your accidents and incidents are and of your learning team, whatever you're uh, out there doing, and consider that. Nothing is ever cut and dry in this field. Well, uh, what else do we have here? Uh, A lot going on tonight. Uh, 54 years ago, right? 50, and I know I'm going to get comments on this, but 54 years ago today uh, was the moonwalk, the first moonwalk uh, on J- July 16th, 1969, the spacecraft Apollo 11 prepared to launch a crew of three astronauts into space in the history books. So they landed uh, 54 years ago tonight, or this afternoon, I should say. And uh, again, something uh, 
you know, I tell you what, the guys had stones the size of a planet out there to go and do this. It's in- incredible. Uh, out there, and it still inspires people till today. I know in my generation, everybody wanted to be an astronaut. Now, in today's generation, they doubt that this ever occurred. Well, Jim, that's not fair. Well, yeah, it is fair. I, I hear it all the time. It's the same people who think that the World Trade Center building was uh, disintegrated by a particle beam weapon, right? And all that conspiracy. I mean, uh, you know, people got all upset with me back at the time. I said, look, uh, and then you were explained to people and everything else, blah, 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 blah. Unbelievable. Now, today, and I will cover politics here, presidential politics. We'll probably do more. I'm thinking about another podcast dedicated to the presidential race. Uh, with, uh, no, uh, today, uh, uh, was, uh, said Senator uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, had uh, testimony in front of the uh, Congress I'm going to share it on my Facebook page here. Something really important that he mentioned, uh, shadow banning, cancel culture. I don't know if he really mentioned that uh, for sure in those words, but basically how we are being manipulated. And as we know, you're part of the safety war is being manipulated. We are all being manipulated here. Sense of omission, uh, a prior uh, generation might have called them. Uh, I know we are on later, and on we're on safetyfm.com, uh, the live show. Uh, we're going to uh, break away uh, for the outro, for the uh, ending credits here, and then we're going to continue with the uh, streamer until we don't, we're not continuing with the streamer, with the uh, video. I wanted to have some clarification from last night. Uh, one of our uh, listeners, Alicia... Out of South Jersey there, uh, had someone that the LinkedIn uh, feed, there was some issues with it. I can't really do anything about it because when I downloaded everything from and everything, got everything straight, everything looked good. So I don't know because I upload to three other platforms here that I cannot stream to. Uh, uh, Brighteon being one, Gab being the other, and Rumble being the third. And everything looked good on there. So, uh, again, the podcast came out good, too. So, I know it's on your favorite podcast network. U.S., I, I wanted to... So, because we could not get a, uh, a good signal, here's what I wanted to review. I'll read this again. Department of Labor announces rule expanding submission requirements for injury illness data provided by employees in high hazard employers in high hazard industries. U.S. Department of Labor today announced a final rule that will require certain employers in designated high hazard industries to electronically submit injury and illness information that they are already required to keep to the department's OSHA. Final rule takes a effect on January 1st, 2024, and now includes the following submission requirements. Uh, basically, the three Form 301 Injury and Illness Incident Report has to be submitted uh, to improve. And what this is, is uh, for high hazard, 
industries, however we define those. And I don't know if they've really had uh, mentioned that. I think you need to keep aware of what's going on and we'll give updates as appropriate uh, to remind folks of that. U.S. Department of Labor finds a uh, shipping line, Marine Cargo Service, uh, retaliated against seamen who reportedly reported safety concerns to U.S. Coast Guard. The company ordered to reinstate the employee and pay more than $700,000 in back wages and damages. I've, I've had some experience in the shipping industry and in uh, maritime industry. And I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of these companies are 30 or 40 years behind the times. It's just incredible. The U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA determined the cargo lines uh, termination of seamen violated the Seamen's Protection Act. Now, let's remember, OSHA is in like 20 different uh, whistleblowers in this country. Seamen may report concerns directly to the U.S. Coast Guard and are not required to follow any company policy that requires employees to report first to the company. The law protects the rights of seamen aboard U.S. Re registered vessels or any vessel owned by a U.S. citizen to report safety concerns or violations of maritime laws and to cooperate with federal officials at any time. So there's a protects them, right? OSHA ordered the shipping company to reinstate the seamen and pay $457,000 plus in back wages, interest and compensatory damages, and $2,500 in punitive damages. The company must also revise its policy to not prohibit seamen from contacting the Coast Guard or other federal, state, or local regulatory authority before first notifying the company. Federal law protects the seamen's right to report safety concerns to federal regulatory agencies. In fact, every maritime industry employer and vessel owner must know, said OSHA Regional Administrator Eric S. Harvin in Dallas. Failure to recognize these rights can instill a culture of intimidation that can lead to disastrous or deadly consequences. The order underscores our commitment to enforcing whistleblower rights that protect seamen. Investigators learned that seamen reported a variety of safety concerns about a certain vessel. A 50,000-ton, 958-foot container ship to the U.S. Coast Guard in December 2020. Safety concerns included the following. Gear used to release lifeboats did not work properly. On several occasions, a ship's training was alone and unsupervised while on ship's watch, including during one incident when a fuel and oil spill occurred that took the crew two days to clean and could have created an environmental spill. Crew members possessing and possibly consuming alcohol on board, two leaks of the starboard tunnel found during an inspection, and the bilge system caused flooding in cargo holds and needed and needed repair. I think AI is writing this because this is uh, grammar, syntax, that sort of thing. Rusted, corroded, and broken sockets needed and replacement. The company responded by suspending the seamen and then terminating uh, them in March 2021 for making a complaint without notifying the company first. And it goes on and on and on. Bad idea. Very costly lesson. I hope they learn their lesson. The Department of Labor announces rule expanding submission requirement. Oh, we already talked about that. 
Department of Labor recovers $66,000 in back wages for 20 workers after finding overtime, minimum wage violations, and six auto parts locations. This is an auto parts location that you would uh, know of. All of these Russians allegedly happen in South Carolina. And I'm going to report this again that uh, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. And most of these things get vacated and everything else or reduced, what have you. Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor Wage and Hour Division investigators that a parts group company who operates businesses as auto parts stores made illegal deductions from employees' pay at six South Carolina locations for store damage, cash register shortages, and uniforms. These deductions caused some workers' pay to fall below the $7.25 an hour federal minimum wage for all hours worked, a Fair Labor Standards uh, uh, violation. They also failed to pay non-exempt salary counter salespeople and delivery drivers overtime for hours for over 40 in a work week. Investigators also learned the employer did not include a non-discretionary sales bonus. Some employees regulate when calculating correct overtime rates, causing the company to pay overtime premiums at rates lower than required by law. The division recovered $66,322 in back wages for 20 workers. Incredible. Here we have another one. Federal uh, investigators responding to report of employees' severe burns find multiple safety hazards at a Green Bay Santa Max factory. Federal safety investigators uh, responded to a Green Bay rendering plant after an employee suffered severe burns when a pump seal released steam and hot oil as workers tried to clear a blockage in January. Specters with OSHA determined that the company failed to develop and implement hazardous energy control procedures. That is a 1910-147 lockout tagout uh, when clearing block pumps and piping its, uh, at its facility. OSHA also found all this other. So let's just go right to the thing, the uh, citation letter. So this happened in January. Apparently, the uh, uh, closing conference was sometime later because the letter is dated so July 19, 2023. Okay, we're scrolling on down. Wow, a lot of front material here. Company name, and we're not going to mention that, and this was in Green Bay. It was a type of violation serious. It was a violation of the uh, general duty clause where the employer did not furnish employment in the place of employment, which were free from recognized hazards. On or about January 27th, the employer did not ensure employees recovered from or protected from severe burn hazards due to potential contact with with non-insulated or unguarded metal steam pipes, tallow pipes, and holding tanks in the main room, and the 60,000 and 80,000 kilowatt uh, rooms. The metal pipe, 60K and 80K rooms, whatever those are. I imagine they're electrical rooms. The... Uh, 
Now, those are not electrical. No, sorry, 60K and 80K rooms, whatever those are. The metal pipe and tank temperatures measured above 266.3 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm going to make a note that uh, the pain threshold is usually 137 degrees. So this is well in excess of that. Among other methods, feasible and acceptable means of abatement include, but are not limited to, insulating hot pipes and tanks with insulating material and or isolating hot pipes and tanks with barrier guards to prevent employee contact. As uh, described in ASTM standard uh, C105520, 14,733. Citation item two, serious, 1910.25. The stairs were not at uniform hyzer, uh, riser heights, $9,800. Citation item 2B, uh, the employer must ensure that stairways and platforms are at least the width of the stair and at least 30 inches in depth as measured in the direction of travel. They must have really pissed somebody off here. Zero degrees, uh, $0 on that one. Citation one, item three, unprotected sides and edges is a walking and working surface uh, uh, vi a violation, right? General industry, four foot. You need something, right? $12,278. Citation one, item 4A was lockout tagout, no procedures, 15625 Citation one, item 4B, no procedures, and there, de minimis, zero. Citation one, item 5A, no equipment guarding. This one was 15625 Citation one, item 5B was zero, uh, no guarding again. Citation one, uh, item 6A, series violation, no guarding, $9,822. And... 6V, no guarding, that was $0. Citation one, item 7A, conductors entering cutout boxes, cabinets or fittings shall be protected from abrasion and openings through which conductors shall enter, conductors central shall be effectively closed. Uh, so exposed wiring, $12,278. Citation one, item 7V, type of violation serious. Uh, pull boxes, junction boxes, and fittings shall be provided with covers. Right? No, no, no uh, fine on that. Now, this is where it gets expensive. Type of violation, repeat serious. The employer must ensure all, that all places of employment, passageways, storerooms, service rooms, and walking working surfaces are kept in a clean, orderly manner. It's basically housekeeping. 36,828. Citation two, item two. This is even more money. Fall protection violations, guardrails, right? Uh, had to be rated for 200 pounds, $61,391. Citation two, item three. And it has another one. Uh, all exposed parts of a horizontal shaft, seven feet or less from the floor or working platform. Uh, blah, 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 shall be protected by stationary casing. So another guarding issue, $61,000. Let's check on our time here. On the Safety FM side of our operation here. So uh, 
I'm going to uh, play the outro for the Safety FM side, and we're going to stay on with the uh, streaming on the, the video. Uh, good night, everybody out there in Safety FM land. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jalen. Okay, we are back. So uh, I'm putting on that uh, Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin uh Thing onto a friend of mine in Wisconsin. Ah, we'll take care of that in a minute. Okay. So, hold on. We're going to go to commercial break while I take care of this. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including... Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Okay, we're going to continue here. We are on the uh, right uh, the video streaming section here. So uh, we're done with the uh, Safety FM portion here. Right, we got on the air late. We have issues. I tell you what, at the end of this, what I'm going through, we're going to have a hell of a lot of stories. Uh, Department of Labor, but we're getting through it is the point. And by the way, one of our listeners sent me a very inspirational uh, message and is much appreciated. Uh, this morning, I got a message at five o'clock in the morning or so. Uh, just very positive, very uplifting. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, if you want health and safety uh, consulting work, training, Anything like that, uh, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywars.com. Uh, no, we're here. We're here to service you. 
Department of Labor filed suit after investigation found a Grand Rapids restaurant owner withheld employees' tips. And uh, I'm not going to mention the name of the restaurant. Uh, on July 14th, the Department of Labor filed suit against a certain company and its owner in the U.S. District Court of Western District of Michigan seeking back wages and liquidated damages for 26 workers. An investigation by the Department's Wage and Labor Division found the restaurant used a tip pool illegally and denied uh, employees correct minimum and overtime wages. The department alleges the company owes $75,402 in back wages to 26 workers. After investigators found uh, the company violated provisions of the Fair Labor Standards Act. When they did the following, these were what is alleged, including the owner who served as manager along with cooks, dishwashers, and a tipful customarily used for servers and bartenders, made illegal deductions from servers' pay for uniforms, aprons, aprons, name tags, and lost items uh, such as cooking utensils and eating utensils, resulting in employees failing to earn minimum wage. Failed to pay servers time and one-half their cash wage in periods when the employer claimed a tip credit. Uh, the employer should have paid the time and one-half the uh, employee's regular hourly rate. Paid cooks a flat rate denying them overtime for hours over 40 hours in a week. Failed to maintain any payroll records for at least two cooks. Failed to pay one cook any wages and did not maintain accurate time records for employees for at least almost two years. Uh, the suit also seeks an equal amount of liquidated damages for employees, an injunction uh, barring the owner from violating the FLSA in the future. Incredible here. Other news. Large oil spill recorded near the site of Pemex platform, or Pemex platform blast in the Gulf of Mexico. Petrolos Mexicanos is responding to an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico near the site of a deadly explosion at one of the state-owned company's natural gas platforms. Uh, a uh, scientist detected the leak on July 4th, days before the blast off the coast of Mexico's Campeche, Greenpeace, and others said in a statement. The spill was about 400 square kilometers earlier, right? 154 square miles earlier this month and may have grown to about two thirds the size of Mexico City. Uh, MX confirmed the spill in a statement but said it was far smaller than the, any groups mentioned. Again, uh, Gulf of Mexico. I, I don't know. Got to be an investigation here. Find out what the hell happened. I'll say that much. 16-year-old dies in an accident at Mississippi Poultry Plant. This happened on July 18th. Rest in peace. But again, this is a issue here with younger workers getting taken advantage of, not knowing their rights. A teenage boy is dead after an accident at a poultry plant in Mississippi. The accident occurred around 8 p.m. on July 14th at the at the... Uh, I'm not going to mention the company name, and plant in Hadesburg. According to a press release from the company, employee conducting sanitation operations died from injuries sustained in the accident. Forest County Deputy Coroner 
Lisa Clem identified the employee as a 16-year-old Hispanic male from Hadesburg. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Clem said the coroner's office did not notify the teen's family, but withheld his name to his age and ongoing investigation. However, friends and family and teenager identified him uh, in social media posts as Duvan Perez. He was a student uh, at uh, he was a student at the time of his death. The cause of death is pending an autopsy. Uh, in the company's press release, the manager expressed condolences on behalf of the company, the team's family, and friends. Our employees are our most valuable asset, and safety is our number one priority. We strive daily to work as safely as possible and are truly devastated whenever an employee is injured. Uh, officials are looking into how a 16-year-old was able to work at the plant. By federal law, minors are barred from working at meat and poultry plants due to the Department of Labor's declaring types of work jobs as particularly hazardous or detrimental to their health and well-being. The Fair Labor Standards Act is like the fifth story tonight on here, right? Specifically lists sanitation of meat of meat and poultry plant equipment as a hazardous activity off-limits underage workers. It's unknown at this time how the teen obtained the job. And uh, multiple agencies have responded. Again, this is it. We did a program a couple of weeks ago on specifically this. What on uh, underage minors, uh, you know, minors uh, doing stuff that is uh, illegal, right? Plain and simple, illegal. Not allowed to do certain things. And it's usually enforced by the state. But in this case, the federal government, uh, uh, the federal government, uh, uh, Got, got involved here because states are usually more stringent on this stuff than the feds. 11-year-old dies from injury after boat accident on the Intracoastal Waterway. This was yesterday. It's died on Wednesday from a boat accident on the Intracoastal Waterway, according to Horry County Coroner Patty Bellamy. Olivia Knighton reportedly died at a local hospital due to injuries she sustained in the accident. Bellamy added that the accident happened around 12.15 p.m. just afternoon near Waterway Avenue in Little River. It's uh, being investigated right now. Why? Okay. Apparently, it was a Guatemalan in uh, uh, this just came across Guatemalan immigrant in uh, that previous accident uh, in the poultry plant. Okay. Someone won Powerball in LA. So, uh, you know, everywhere else it would be a billion dollars, but in California, it's the equivalent of winning about 250 bucks. But I only joke. This is from uh, abc.org. What is abc.org? Is Associated Builders and Contractors. I want to comment a little bit on this. On July 17th, ABC, and this is their press release here, uh, submitted comments to the U.S. DOL 
in response to OSHA's request for comments on its efforts to develop a leading indicators resource for usage by employers from food safety management systems. In their comments, ABC supported and commended OSHA's efforts. Leading indicators are proactive, preventive, and predictive measures used to improve workplace safety. Uh, and, okay, now, comments additionally could encourage OSHA to consider ABC's step safety management system, which utilizes 25 key components, including a number of leading indicators to help participants improve workplace safety. Okay, let's think about this. When I first started using behavior-based safety, right, uh, was for a major oil company and that we you've heard of when I was still working in corporate America. And I, I said, you know, you're collecting all this data, right? Collecting all of this data and everything else. And it's not objective, but you're treating it as objective data. Well, what do you mean, Jim? What do you mean? Well, we know what the difference between objective and subjective is. Objective is no opinion. It's without bias. So, for example, you take a measurement and it's 73 degrees out. Right? That's pretty objective. You take a thermometer, oh, 73 degrees. Now, you also have the subjective. Where you're out there and you're like, you know, 73 degrees is real hot, but I don't think, but it feels like 90. And without the benefit of the heat index or anything else, you put down 90. Because it looks like that. It's subjective. Maybe a bad example. Subjective is based on the observer's observations, right? On that, rather than objective, where it's absolute. So you're out there and you're doing a safety audit. And we talk about this tomorrow a little bit with Gavin Coyle. Uh, on our, our interview. So we're there and we uh, collect this data. And he was like, oh man, I don't want to go out there. I want to collect this data. It's going to make us look bad. So we're going to ignore it. So what do you think happens? Things are biased. You have a bias on those. The things are not uh, what they're supposed to be. So what's my point? They're treating this stuff as scientific when it is the least scientific thing you could ever imagine. And that's where the problem here is. When, they're, when OSHA is saying we're going to collect this more data, guess what? It's going to be fraudulent because the incentive is, is to not to be, uh, not to be, uh, uh, is not to be, uh, uh, completely upfront and open because there's going to be penalties. So that's one of the big things. I know it's a good effort, and I tell you what, if everybody was nice and honest and you didn't have incentives where people weren't going to lose their job based on these things, then guess what? Great thing. But that ain't the way things are. Here's another one. This is out of Safety and Health News, right? OSHA proposal, and this did not uh, 
make the press releases. OSHA is seeking to revive an Obama administration policy that would allow workers to designate someone who does the work for their employer, including someone from a union or other organization, to represent them during an OSHA walk-around inspection. The policy was detailed in a February 2013 letter of interpretation known as the Fairfax Memo. Uh, The National Federation of Independent Business sued OSHA officials on the grounds that the policy violated the notice and comment requirements of the Administrative Procedures Act of 1946. In 2017, the Trump administration rescinded the policy and NFV dropped its lawsuit. Uh... So, uh, so un, uh, under OSHA's 1903.8, subpart 8, uh, a walk-around representative shall be an employee of the employer. However, the regulation also allows an OSHA inspector, also known as a compliance, safety, and health officer, to make a judgment call on whether a third party can participate in the walk-around. I tell you what, I, I don't agree with that. A lot of things go on. Uh, I've worked on a lot of, uh, right, they're saying if the in the judgment of the compliance officer and health officer, a uh, good cause of insurance why an accompanied by a third party who's not in the employment uh, of an employee of the employer is reasonably necessary to conduct an effective thorough physical inspection of the workplace. Such third party may accompany the compliance safety and health officer during the inspection. The regulation states, does it really state that? Let me go on over to 1903. Uh, yeah, it says uh, 1903.8. A, a compliance safety and health officer may permit an additional employee representative or an additional representative is authorized by the employees to accompany him where he determines that such additional representatives would further aid the inspection. A different employer and employee representative may accompany the compliance officer. Here we have compliance safety and health officers shall have the authority to resolve all disputes as to who is the representative authorized by the employer and employees for the purpose of this section. If there is no authorized representative of the employees or if the compliance, safety, and health officer is unable to determine with reasonable certainty who is such a representative, you shall consult with a reasonable number of employees concerning matters of safety and health in the workplace. Uh, Here we go, 1903.8c. And let me go over. I'm going to share this. This is what we're looking at, 1903.8c. The representatives authorized by OSHA shall be an employee or of the employer. However, in the, if in the judgment of the compliance, safety, and health officer, good cause has been shown why accompanied by a third party who is not an employee of the employer, it is reasonably necessary to conduct an effective and thorough inspection of the workplace uh, such third party may accompany. Now we have letters of interpretation here, apparently. Let me click on those. All right. Now, I disagree with the regulation here. What the problem is, 
from my point of view. I've been on jobs where people have just come onto the job site, have bypassed all different types of stuff on the job site, like PPE requirements, uh, and you have no enforcement authority against these folks under this regulation. Uh, Site-specific training, workers' comp issues, what happens if they come there and get hurt? Who's going to be responsible for that? It's like OSHA is throwing on liability onto you. And I don't agree with this. If they're an OSHA employee, employee, different story. Obviously, they would be in there. Or if the company gives permission, that's another thing. But for the OSHA compliance officer to make this determination, who's appropriate and who's not to come on to there, maybe if they're a government contractor, that we can do that. We also have an issue of trade secrets and other confidential information. If it's for an accident, now we're dealing with HIPAA-type uh, situations. I, I think it's a bad, bad practice uh, for that. And, you know, with all due respect to everybody, but as always, I say obey the law, whatever that is. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and it's not standardized baloney from 25 years ago. Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Poles at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Okay, uh, I have here... Uh... Hold on. All right, uh, OSHA thirty thirty. I know it's not on the Safety FM network, but I'm going. I mentioned these this podcast here. It's OSHA uh, thirty thirty. Uh, Keller and Heckman partner Manish Rath hosts OSHA thirty thirty, a webinar series that covers OSHA uh, issues in roughly thirty minutes. And I tell you what, this is a pretty good uh, podcast, but they. Uh, cover this in uh, May 19th with us in some of the older episodes here uh, with this and uh, with this specifically uh, uh, no specifically on this on what we just discussed we're getting a little tired here been up since 430 all right rough so what I'm gonna do, is I'm going to let's scroll through these other things. Anything safety related? Not really. It's all policy stuff. Oh, here you go. U.S. investigating why Delta passengers were kept on a plane in extreme heat. The flight from Las Vegas to Atlanta was stalled at Harry Reid International Airport, leaving passengers sweltering in triple-digit temperatures. U.S. Department of Transportation said Thursday that it was investigating why passengers on a Delta Airlines flight had been left to swelter for hours in triple-digit temperatures while the plane waited on a tarmac in Las Vegas. Again, it's been hotter than hell out there. The ordeal lasted nearly three hours with paramedics boarding the plane to wheel out three people who had fallen ill. 
They said uh, to press your call button if you need medical assistance. She said babies are screaming and crying. They're handing out sandwiches through diabetics and going on and on and on. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. I don't know. I don't know. It happened to me one time on my first plane ride exactly uh, 40, 40 years and three days ago when I flew to Europe. Tornado, I know I know where this facility is here. Uh, tornado tears through Pfizer's North Carolina site, threatening crucial drug supplies. Uh, this was in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Uh, the company estimated that one-fourth of the injectable medications and supplies to U.S. hospitals were made in, at the Rocky Mount property, including uh, uh, sedatives and anesthesia-related stuff. And they're not, they're trying to assess what the hell's going on out there. What, you know, what's what they lost. Okay, that's all we got for tonight. And I'm looking, I will uh, do our outro again. Uh, looking forward to seeing you on Monday. Have a pre recorded program tomorrow, if all goes well. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.